We're going to read in chapter 13. Let me break down before you stand up. Let me break down just a few seconds, just some context for you so you understand. The, the first six, seven, eight chapters of the book of Romans, Paul is, is really just laying out the gospel, all right? For the early church, for the Jew and the Gentile, he is just unfolding the gospel message, really laying the foundation to the fact that I, as a human, flesh and bone, am a sinner, and there is nothing that I can do in my own power to be made right with God except by confessing my sins and accepting Christ's death on the cross and his salvation. That's it. And so Paul, over the, the, the course of seven or eight chapters, just lays that out. And then from eight to 12 is, is really some, some foundational truth for Christian living. What it, what it looks like and what it means to, to follow Jesus. Just some practical foundational things for life. And then in chapter 13, he builds on this idea of, of what it means and what it looks like to be a follower of Christ. And he says this in chapter 13, starting in verse 11. Just three verses Four verses that we're going to read right there in Romans chapter 13. If you've got your copy, follow along. If not, it'll be up uh, possibly on the screen for you. But chapter 13, verse 11, Paul says this. Besides this, we're going to come back to that if you want to underline it. If you're one of those that likes to write in your Bibles. Knowing the time, it is already the hour for you to wake up from sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than we first believed. Verse 12, the night is nearly over and the daylight is near. So let us discard the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Verse 13, let us walk with decency as in daylight. Not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual impurity and promiscuity, not in quarreling, and jealousy in the last verse he says put on the lord jesus christ and make no plans to satisfy fleshly desires let's pray together lord we just want to pause for a moment and to ask you to bless this time bless the reading of your word bless the opportunity that we have to dive into it to be strengthened to be challenged to be convicted lord that we may grow that we may grow in our walk with you and Lord, follow you closer than ever. With the desire, Lord, to point others back to you. So Father, have your way with us right now in our seats, in our place, where we're at, Lord. May your will be done. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Listen, I want to I tell you something. I, I am not perfect. Uh, I am not perfect. I do not have all the answers. I don't think I will ever be, and I don't think I will ever have all the answers. I struggle. I fail. I sin. You know, Paul says early on in Romans that there are times in his life where he, he knows what he should do, and there are times in his life where he does the things that he knows he shouldn't do. You know, I find myself there at times. 
But Paul really gets to the heart of the issue here when it comes to, as a Christian, there, there, is, there, there is a job to do. What does that job look like? What does that job mean? So the first thing that we're going to look at, Paul, he makes this statement, he makes this comment in the very first part of, ch- uh, of chapter 14, 13, verse 11. And he says, besides this, and the reason why I said you might want to underline that, uh, uh, highlight it or whatever, is because to understand what he means there, and why he's saying besides this, is you've got to back up. You've got to back up and read early on in chapter 13 to understand where Paul is coming from in verse 11. Besides this, besides what? He says in verse 10, he says, Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. You know, he's, he's pretty much summarizing what Jesus said when he was approached in Matthew chapter 25 by the Pharisees. Lord, what is the greatest commandment? And what did Jesus say? Love God, all your heart, soul, and mind. And then love your neighbor as yourself. What's our job? Love God, love others. Paul says, besides this, what he's about to get to, what he's about to get to, you've got to understand that all of it hinges on love. You've got to love. It's the two greatest commandments. When you break down the Ten Commandments, guess what they're centered around? All ten. Loving God and loving others. And he says, besides this, knowing the time. What's the urgency? In verse 11. What's the urgency? You know, I shared this with the, the youth uh, uh, a few weeks ago. Um, I'm going to share it with you uh, here in, in just a second. But Paul says, knowing the time. It's already the hour for you to wake up from sleep. For now, our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Paul says the time is now. The time is now. The time is now for what? The time is now for you and I as Christians to do our job. To live our lives as God has called us to live them. The time is now for the church to be the church that God intended and ordained it to be. That's what Paul is talking about. That's the sense of urgency. Paul's saying that yesterday is yesterday. Today is today and tomorrow is tomorrow. The time is now. You know, there are things that have happened to you and I this week. Guess what? We can't go back and change. We can't go back and relive. We can't go back and do anything. But we can do something about today. And now, James says this in James chapter 4. He says, come now, you who say today or tomorrow will travel, we will travel to such and such a city and spend a year there and do business and make a profit. 
He says in verse 14, you don't even know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be. For you are a bit of smoke that appears for a little while and then vanishes. The sense of urgency is the time is now. So I did this little deal with the youth a few weeks ago. I asked them, I said, hey, uh, how many seconds are in a day? Anybody want to take a stab? How many? <laughs> look, look. Hey, by the way, if you have not noticed the 12 little guys sitting across the way here, all right, all decked out, most of them decked out in war cat gear, this is the baseball team that Matt and I have the privilege of, of coaching uh, each week. And we do a thing on Thursday afternoons before practice called what, guys? Bucket talk. It's called bucket talk. And I literally sit on a bucket, y'all, before practice. And we talk about Jesus. And we talk about what it means to follow Christ. And we relate it to the game of baseball. And I've got 11 boys, 10, 9, 10, 11 years old, sitting there just soaking it in. That's powerful. What an opportunity. So anyway, they raised their hands because we talked about this on Thursday. And y'all saw it, right? Y'all saw it. They still have their hands raised, right? <laughs> they follow the rules in school, apparently. All right? All right, so how many seconds are in a day, boys? 86,400 seconds in a day. All right? Don't check my math. I think that's right. They said it, so we're going to believe them, Okay. 86,400 seconds in a day. Somebody's going to come up to me afterwards and say, Mac, you've missed a second or two. Okay, all right, maybe it's 85,000. I don't know, just go with me, all right? The time is now, okay? We're going to go with 86,400 seconds in a day. What if each second of every day was worth a penny? What if every second of every day was worth a penny? Y'all know the answer to that? All right, go for it. All right, pretty close. A year. So if every second of every day for an entire year was worth a penny, you would have over $316,000 a year. Here's the question. Would you waste it? I love it. Hey, if, you, if you've got problems with that, you, we can talk after, okay? I love it. I love it. It's the way it should be. You would have over $316,000 a year. And my question is, would you waste it? I would venture to say that if you and I were having a conversation one-on-one, you'd say no. You'd say no. But yet, when it comes to every second of every day, there's time Paul's saying, listen, hey, Christians, listen, the time is now. We are, we are nearer to our day of completion today more than we've ever been. Because night has come, day is here, and guess what? Night is coming again, and another day is going to pass. And we can't go back and change that day. The time is now. He goes on to say in verse 12, he says, The night is nearly over and the daylight is near. 
So let us discard the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. That's your first little fill in there. Put on the armor of light. You know, when you think about light, the absence of darkness is what? Light. But when I think about darkness, I think about how darkness is associated with evil. Is it not? Darkness is associated with evil. And Paul is saying, listen, be a light. Put on the armor of light. See, in the early church, there was a ton of persecution. A ton of persecution. I mean, you think about the Roman Empire. One of the greatest empires of all time. And Paul is saying, listen, we're in a dark time. But there's light coming. It's coming. So put on the armor of light. In other words, what Paul is saying is do not live in the darkness, but focus and put on the armor of light because that is where your hope is. I want you to think about that for a second. In the context of this church and this church body. And how many of us walk around in darkness all the time? How many of us walk in that negativity and that darkness all the time? You see, I, I've got to think, I've got to believe that, you know, we're talking early church here, that with all of the negativity and all of the persecution that they faced, they faced mental persecution, they faced physical persecution, they faced it. If you can think it, they faced it. And I've got to think that in the back of their minds, when they saw that glimmer of light and that glimmer of hope in the back of their minds, they were thinking, you know what? But, 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 but there's darkness still there. How many of us, we, we, we still walk and we live in, in, in that world? What Paul's trying to get them to see is this mind shift, this mindset of, you know what? I no longer have to live in that darkness. Because I can be clothed with the armor of light. And that armor of light does away with darkness. And I can walk in that. And I can live in that. He goes on to say, and the, the, the next point that you've got there... As we're looking at, at verse 13, he says, Let us walk with decency, as in daylight, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual impurity or promiscuity, not in quarreling or jealousy. And here's what I got from that. Be the same in public as you are in private. It's that simple. Be the same in public as you are in private. Well, that's a scary thought, isn't it? If we're really honest with one another. But that's essentially what Paul is saying in layman's terms in verse 13. Walk with decency. Like know who you are. Be proud of who you are. Be bold in who you are. Be confident in who you are and walk in that. Right? Because if you've put on the armor of light, there's nothing to be ashamed of. 
You know, I just, I wrote down these two words uh, under those notes. Be accountable and avoid hypocrisy. Be accountable and avoid hypocrisy. Don't be afraid to be held accountable. If we were to go around this room, all of you that have jobs, you're expected to do your job, right? I'm expected to do my job, and I can tell you every year, come August, I am going to be reviewed by my supervisor. And I have a review that is set before me. And I have a series of things that I have to go through. And in that review, it says, did not meet expectations, met expectations, exceeded expectations, or did not apply. And I promise you, that during that time of accountability, my supervisor is going to be honest. Thankfully, in those times of review, I've met those, the expectations that were set before me. But where I'm going with it is if you and I were in that meeting, in that review with our supervisors, our bosses, or whoever, and we did not meet expectations, what would happen? goodness you'd probably be fired or demoted or cut in pay so guess what accountability in the workplace is not a bad thing is it it's not so don't be afraid to be held accountable but here's the kicker accountability is good in the workplace is it not good enough in the Christian walk should be right we need to be held accountable listen I need to be held accountable told you there are areas in my life where I fail I sin I do not meet expectations and I need to be held accountable to those things we all do Paul's saying, listen, be accountable. Be accountable. And don't don't walk in and don't live in hypocrisy. Don't be one person here and another person there. Be accountable. Last thing I'm going to say, and we'll, we'll finish up. He says in verse 14, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no plans to satisfy the fleshly desires. There's one word that jumped off the page right there to me in verse 14 it's plan what plan that's your fill in the blank there what plan you know Proverbs 29 18 was a verse that popped up into my mind that Proverbs says that you know where, where there is no plan the people perish where there's no plan the people perish And when you think about temptation, when you think about sin and how it creeps in into our lives, a lot of times it sneaks in, doesn't it? A lot of times it happens and you're standing there and you're going, whoa, what just happened? Why'd that just happen? And I thought, you know, Paul says right here, make no plans to satisfy the fleshly desires. 
Have a plan. Make a plan. Because without a plan, a lot of times, that's oftentimes when we fall to temptation. Because we have no plan. So here you go. I'm going to give you four things really, really quickly. I don't have four things and then bullet points and all that stuff. I've got four things and then we're finished, okay? When it comes to developing a plan. When it comes to developing a plan to hashtag do your job. All right, I promise you, I promise you from now on, you're, you're like this, you know, athletes say let's go all the time. All right. It doesn't matter what's happened. It doesn't matter if they're down 45 to 10 or, or, or they're, they're, you know, they're beating somebody 72 to nothing or they're up 3 to 2 in a ball game. It doesn't matter what happens. They yell, let's go. Do you not see that? They do. They yell it all the time. That was our FCA theme this past summer. And so now that that's uh, you know, a saying that's stuck in my brain, I see it all over the place now. All right. This, this hashtag do your job thing, um, it came uh, uh, back about a month and a half ago uh, through social media. Uh, a guy that I follow on social media, he speaks to NFL and, and uh, college football teams and um, Chris Shepard. And so anyway, he was speaking to the University of Arkansas and uh, Chad Morris's slogan for their team this year is do your job. And so when I saw that, man, it just stuck. It just stuck, and so when I got here uh, in, in the book of Romans, that, that just kind of came back to me. But here's, here's, what, uh, here, here's what I want you to, to, to get from all of that is uh, you, you're going to leave here today, and, and you're probably going to see do your job a couple of times, all right? If the Patriots were playing today, you would see Bill Belichick say that, all right? Uh, he probably said it six or seven times Thursday night because they played Thursday night. But anyway, that is, that is a huge thing that Bill Belichick says to his team, to his, to his coaches. Uh, it's an organizational concept and, and philosophy. Just do your job, right? And all Paul is saying here is, listen, just do your job. Do your job. How do we do our job? How do we do our job? All right, here's the plan. You ready? Number one, love without hypocrisy. Love without hypocrisy. That's it. Number two, take advantage of every opportunity. Don't let a second waste away. Take advantage of every opportunity. Number three, walk in the light. Walk in the light. And number four, be the same in public as you are in private. Be the same in public as you are in private. Listen, that's the best I got with Romans 13, 11 through 14. All right? I hope it speaks to you. I hope it challenges you. I hope it convicts you if you need convicting. It convicted me. It certainly has convicted me. Because those are hard things to do. Those are hard things to do. But you know, when I look at the job that God has called me to, I don't really see it as a job. I see it as a lifestyle. I see it as a calling. Be a desire. Should be a daily, constant desire to live out these things in flesh and to point other people to Jesus. That's what we've been called to do. So, I'm going to pray with you.
We're going to open the altar here in just a second. Mark's going to come up and, and lead us in a, in a, a hymn of invitation. Uh, and, and however the Lord uh, may speak to you, know that the altar is open. Um, I want you to understand something. Th- this was somewhat silly and elementary. Hashtag do your job. But I'm telling you, the time is now. The time is now for the church to be the church. And for me as a Christian, for those of you to proclaim Christ as your Savior, for you and I to start doing our job. Do our job. That whoever walks through those doors, whoever we pass by in the halls or in the streets or in the restaurants, that we love them without hypocrisy. Right? And that we are who we are in public and in private. It's time that we do our job. And that we take advantage of every single opportunity that we have before us. And that we don't waste another second. Because once it's gone, it's gone. There are things in my life that I wish I could take back. I wish I could change. I wish I could do over. But at the end of the day, I can't. I can only focus on the now. And what lies ahead. But I've got to walk in that light. I can't continue to walk in darkness. I've got to walk in the light. And have that perspective. About the life that God's called me to. So let me pray for you. Lord, we just want to pause for a moment to say thank you for another day and for another opportunity. Thank you for the opportunity, Lord, that we've had to open up your word, to be challenged by it, to be encouraged by it. Lord, I pray that in these uh, next couple of moments, uh, Lord, in whatever way you've spoken to our hearts, I pray that you would just, you would do your business. And Lord, that you would have your way. Lord, there would be nothing that would uh, hold us back, nothing that would hinder us, nothing that would scare us. But Lord, that you would just simply have your way. That you would tear down pride. You would tear down egos. You would tear down any wall, whatever wall stands in the way of us being made right with you. Father, may we not leave this place this morning before doing business with you. So Lord, we give you this time. Pray that you'd move about however you see fit in Christ's name. Amen.